and I turned myself in. So when they showed up at your door, you went home? I was not home. Okay. Who, but they who? left a card, and I it was a detective. I can't even remember his name. Oh, my God. This is 2009. Okay. And he left a card in the door. And when I got back home, I saw the card, detective such and such, and my heart dropped. Walk me through that. In My Head with Jay Blessed is a transparent look into the life and mind of a Caribbean woman having human experiences. Get into my mind as I share my most vulnerable thoughts and honest experiences. I'll take you on a roller coaster of emotions as you get to know someone who might share similar experiences with you. Some might make you speechless, you'll definitely laugh. Others might make you angry and some might even make you cry. But my very real, very raw, very relatable weekly podcast will always keep you coming back for more. Join me as I talk to myself, talk to you, and even talk to some special friends in my head. (laughs) In my head is an introspective look from a voyeuristic point of view. For a list of all my social channels and how you can connect with me, please view this episode's summary. To join in on the conversation, use the hashtag headwithjb. That's H-E-A-D-W-I-T-H-J-B. And follow me on Instagram at RealJBlessed and Twitter at JBlessed. Let's get in on the conversation together. Don't forget to log on to my official website, JBlessed.com. A human experience from a Caribbean perspective. Episode 14, I am more than my mistakes. Happy, happy, happy Wednesday. It's hump day, bitches. <laughs> happy Wednesday. I know I bring the light and joy to a lot of your lives every Wednesday. It's like, oh, God. When is Friday going to be here? But Wednesday is here, so we happy because Jay is on the airways. We can listen to Jay, and trust me, this episode, you're going to love it. It's going to be pretty, pretty amazing and impactful, and I have an amazing guest in studio. But before I go there, don't forget to rate this podcast, especially if you listen on Apple Podcast. Leave a girl a five-star rating, and of course, please, a written review goes such a long way please positivity only if you don't have nothing good to say mommy say don't say Hedna, can you kindly leave a five-star review and a written comment in the meantime don't forget to sign up to the newsletter it's at the bottom left of jblast.com go and put your email address there so that you can get all the updates there things that are in the newsletter that are not on social media it's not on the website you're getting exclusive access and information that other people will not see so join team jblast by being a subscriber to the newsletter welcome to yet another episode of in my Alicia 
Ali Eiffel holds a BS in Human Services from Turo College. She is a New York State certified sexual health educator, a certified alcohol substance abuse counselor, KSAC-T, and is pursuing her master's in public administration this coming fall. Allie, as she is affectionately known, currently holds the position as health navigator for the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Alicia works with individuals that are in the need of services, which can be mental health, advocacy, benefits, and or care coordination. Prior to her working with the DOH, Alicia worked for the Connect program at Diaspora Community Services. The Connect program focuses on HIV and LGBTQ youths ages 13 to 13 through 24, and adults that are in need of various services such as HIV, HCV testing, SDD, SDI screening, and PrEP and PEP or PEP linkages along with the workshops and one-on-one -on -one sessions that assist individuals to understand the basics of having goals and lives. Ali is of Barbadian heritage and represents for her Caribbean people all day long. She believes that the first positive step in changing the narrative in the community is by continuing to push the envelope in having positive conversations in our community. In my head, family, Jay Birds, Team Jay Bless. I want y'all to make some noise, my girl, Ellie! <laughs> Hi. Hey, Alicia. Hey, hey Allie. Hey, hey Boo. Hi, love. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, because you're here. Oh, I feel so special. It's a body lit. Yes. You ready? <laughs> no, are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Allie, welcome to In My Head. Thank you. Thank you so much for being available to be a guest. I adore you. I, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of things. The topic of uh, of this week's show is I am more than my mistakes. And I know that caught you off guard. A lot of times my guests don't know the topic of the episode. So I know you're like, oh, shoot. Oh, how is this going to go? Trust me. You trust me? I trust you. Good. That's all I need to know. Uh, Ali, welcome. Thank you. Tell me more about who is Elise. Alicia Ali Eiffel. Ooh, who is Alicia Ali Eiffel? Well, first and foremost, um, I want to say thank you for having me here. Ali is Ali, so I am savvy, blunt, but down to earth. I've come through the storm, and now I'm walking in the light, as I like to put it. I've gone through my struggles, which we all have, depression, mental health, you name it. And I've seen things where I've realized that as life goes on, I have to take it in stride and continue to move. And especially being of Caribbean descent, shout out to all my Bajans out there. Bop, 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 hey. bop, bop, bop. <laughs> um, being first generation Caribbean descent, my family's from Barbados. I've realized that there's certain topics we just don't talk about. And if we do, we keep it private. We don't bring it out in the forefront. And I was like, mm, nah, I need to bring this out because it's not just myself going through it. I've met, I have friends, family, associates that are going through it as well. Right. And I was like, something has to be changed. 
So I was reading your bio, and in your bio it says that Ali's vision of Let's Talk, and let's talk about Let's Talk for a minute, right? Let's Talk is a platform that you started, an intimate discussion with women. Yes. And I was so honored to be a part of your second annual Let's Talk About conversation earlier this year. And thank you for that. And through that, that's where I met Meg, who we had on a recent episode. So thank you for that connection. Yes. Hi, Meg. We love you. Thank you for that connection. And this is why we got to stay connected, right? Because you never know who knows who. And I also want to send a shout out to Afia who connected yes. me to you. So shout out to Affy, yes. my kindred giraffe spirit. <laughs> She's going to get a girls kick. unite. Yes, Amazons <laughs> unite, who connected me to you, and it was a blessing in disguise. And I am wholeheartedly, Affy, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart to connect me to this powerful sister thank that you. we have here. Thank you. In your bio, it said that Ali's vision of Let's Talk About came to life when she was going through her own personal struggles with life and her mental health having been incarcerated for a crime she did commit let's talk about focuses on providing an open forum for women of all backgrounds to come together and get down to the nitty-gritty by providing a safe space that women can talk about sexual mental emotional physical and financial wellness wow wow congratulations on starting such an initiative Thank well, we're going to get to let's talk about it in a little minute. I want to talk about how how was it being a first-generation Bayesian growing up in New York in the 80s? Wow. Okay, first-generation Bayesian descent, growing up in the 80s, 90s here, Crown Heights. It was, it was different. I'm grateful enough to say that I have parents that instilled the values, the core values, as I call them, that for cultural reasons, I'm still connected with my Caribbean community. I was blessed enough to be able to be traveling all the time to Barbados to go home. So I just didn't know that I was Barbadian, even though my mom might say she's not Bajan, she was born here. I, I consider myself a Barbadian. Right. I, I am infused with my Caribbean ancestors. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, shout out to my girl, Alicia of Rewind and Come Again blog. She She's all about the hyphenated life. She talks about the Caribbean-American life, right? A lot of times, you know, I will hear, I will see someone and they'll say, well, my mother's Bajan. So I'm be like, so I say, oh, you're Bajan. They're like, no, I'm Caribbean-American. I'm Bajan-American. And let, let's just, just talk about that for a minute because... You identify with being Bayesian because of your heritage, but also because you've been in the island. You've spent years in the island. Yes. You, you, you are very much, you know, the, your ancestry is thick and heavy. You yes. know the music. You know the culture. You know the food. Yes. So it's not like you're perpetrating that you're Bayesian. You are Bayesian. Yes. And growing up here in Brooklyn, it was to a point where back then it was taboo to be Caribbean unless you were Jamaican. Jamaican or Jamaican, Jamaican exactly. You know? And if you were from any other Caribbean country, it was like, oh, ooh, why are you from there? And it bothered me because when the day is done, my country is just the same as any other Caribbean country out there in the Caribbean islands. Even though Barbados decides to be different, we stick out from the Caribbean Sea, you know. So growing up. During those times, it was like, I'm still going to rep for my culture. I'm still going to rep for my heritage. 
no, I'm not Jamaican. No, Barbados is not in Jamaica. You come know, on, come on, come let's, on. Let's be real. And I had friends at that time, you know, who parents were Barbadian and they did not identify as that. And that used to mind boggle me until I got older and I realized, like, okay. I see where the difference were. Maybe they knew their parents were from Barbados, but have they ever stepped foot in Barbados? Wow. Do they know the culture? Do they know to go go to Shafet and get a eh, burger eh. pack? Eh, eh. Or go eh, to eh. Cave Shepherd eh, eh. and go in there and Let get your macaroni pie that upstairs? Oh, the accent yes, coming out. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, or go to Julian and get your gold and stuff like that. So when oh, you come back, you have your great earrings and all of that. So, you know... As I got older, I realized why there was a difference. And now, even in society, being Caribbean is an in thing now. Mm. And I've kind of taken a step back to look outside and see why is it an in thing. I'm, I'm trying to still grasp that. Like, it should not just be an in thing for now. Be proud of your heritage. Accept it. And I also have to look at it. It's not just the people trying to accept it. It's also how they were raised. And it goes back to your core values. Mm -hmm. Like, my parents were able to have the opportunity for me to go to Barbados, spend summers, Easter's, you know, Christmases. So I could have infused and see that other side than just hearing about it or not taking me when I was just a month old and never going back. What's your favorite memory of Barbados? The favorite memory I have, God, my dad is going to flip when he hears this. Um, I remember it was me and two other relatives. We were young and we were in the car. My dad had to go in the house to get something. Mm -hmm. And my relative wanted to decide to go in the front and knock the handbrake down. Oh. And mind you, my grandmother's house is on a hill. Cyan oh. Hills in James Barbados. So when my relative knocked the handbrake down, the car started to go <gasps> down the hill. I'm in the back seat with my cousin, and we're going down the hill. Oh, and shit. I see my dad and my uncle in the back running behind trying to get the car. And you know what saved us? What? It was garbage cans in the front at the end of the hill. Because where the hill is, wow. Highway 2 is right there. Wow. So uh, trucks, everything passed by. And those garbage cans saved us. To this, I remember telling my mom about it. My dad never told my mom because he knew my mother was going to flip. Wow. And that saved us. And mom, you're hearing it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> she knows she heard it before, but now she's going to be like, you put that on the podcast? Yes, oh, my God. I, of, what is your favorite memory of Barbados? The time I almost died. died. Yes, my life, my young life. <laughs> Flash before my eyes that is imprinted in my head. But no. How old were you? I had to have been about seven. What? Yes. But seriously, that's one. And my second favorite is going to church, St. Augustine Church in Laura Calton, St. James. Yo, big up to all the Beijers that are listening. Like, I know that church. That's yes. my church. Right there by the beach. And going, and my grandmother, she always went to the early service. To this day, she still goes. And going and hearing the ocean hit 
on the rocks mm. and the sun coming up and by the time church is done the sun is out mm. you know those are the memories that still hold dear to me it's going beautiful. going to the beach not just the cute beaches for tourists but like the regular beaches learning to swim and all those things I still hold dear just thinking about it I get goosebumps oh wow that's powerful shout yes. out to every person of Caribbean descent or that was born in the islands that know how to swim y'all need to get your life if you don't know how to swim that is a life skill listen I have PTSD from swimming you so. ha- that is a life skill I know it's scary for some people but if you do not know how to swim I implore mm-hmm. you today to go There's there are YMCA's yes. there are pools near by go learn how to swim and teach your, your children yes, how yes. to swim mm-hmm. now Allie hmm, your life is so laid I'm taking it in paces alright I'm, I'm, I'm being easy with you right now because I know they want to hear what she was incarcerated we get in there yes. okay we just get in there yes. um, you are doing a major work um, with the Department of Health um, impacting the lives of young people. But before we get there, tell us more about your educational background. You are an only child as well. Yes, I'm an only child from my mom. I have a sister from my dad's side. Mm-hmm. But I have non-blood-related brothers Right. that are... That you adopted. Yes. Right, And right. they adopted me because I'm still the baby with them. So you, you are the only child of a Caribbean mother who like me would be like books first yes boys don't exist yes go to school yes get your degree yes so where did you go to college i went to toro college mm-hmm. here in new york city i studied in human services and my concentration was child and youth mm-hmm. my minor in that was business with a concentration in accounting Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very well. So which one did you like more when you got out of, uh, out of school? You know, quite frankly, I did love human services, but after my internship with ACS, it was kind of traumatizing. And Tell me about that. So I did my internship with ACS, and back then, this was in the early 2000s, I went out with a caseworker mm-hmm. to a client's house. And long story short, um, it was a reunification Mother completed all of her required mandated programs, and the child was returned to her um, from foster care, from the foster parents. And long story short, the mother relapsed, um, sold her child for her substance of choice. And when we got there, the child was... I'm not going to go into details, but let's just say that imprinted in me that I said I could not do it, and I used my business administration minor and went in that route from there. Okay, so out of school, you decided uh, that shit was traumatizing. Yes. You didn't say what traumatized you, but we can't say because. Right. But I, I understand how traumatizing working as a social worker can be so Mm -hmm. much love goes out to the social workers in our community that are doing work and sometimes it's the one or two that don't do their work diligently that give the entire group a bad rap yes and i definitely say shout out to all social workers care coordinators you case managers, you name it. We have a special place in our heart because we might have went through something personally or someone connected to us went through some form of trauma, issue, hiccup, and brought us into that and made us be able to say, you know what? Yes, we're underpaid, but you know what? If we can save one individual, 
that can start a cycle of saving another. It's paying it forward. And that's exactly the basis of why I do in my head. If only I could touch one person, then they can help someone else. So Definitely. I appreciate you for that, Allie. Um, so out of school, decided to go to uh, work in accounting? Yes. Okay, where did you end up working? Worked for various places. Ended up working for another company. Um, stayed there for some time. Got into some trouble. And the ball started rolling from there. All right, so let's talk about that trouble because that was a defining moment in your life. Oh, yes. But it does not define who you are. No, never does. And so I want to preface before you start talking about this because I know there are a lot of people who just tuned into the podcast for the first time because their ass just nosy, right? And it's okay. We want you to learn some things today. Because we are so much more than our mistakes. And if you've never made a mistake, then this podcast is not for you. Keep it moving. Keep it pushing. I'm talking to the people who've done some things in their lives, who've done some filthy, nasty, fucked up, shameful things in their lives. And they are so much more than that because we are multidimensional people. You know, they talk about teachers. And just as an example, teachers who are, are working as dominatrix, like... Fuck out of here. You think teachers don't have sex, too? Like, you think people don't have other lives? Like, there's so much more than being this uptight person that you see from 9 to 5. They have another life. You know, they they do what they got to do. Um, but you got into some trouble. Yes. And a lot of us have gotten into trouble in various ways. Um, let's start talking about that. Sure. So, pretty much... I got myself into some deep trouble. Um, long story short, I got arrested. I don't want the long story short question. <laughs> Fuck that. So then I'm gonna have to ask you questions since you want to give me the long story short. No, okay, I let's don't... let's go back a bit. Okay. Where was your mind at when you decided that you were gonna do what changed your life? Wow. So I still think about that every day. You know that. Um, I wear, I'm going to be honest, I wear my heart on a sleeve, and I, I'm a people pleaser. You know, if you need it and I got it, I'm going to give it to you. If it's my last shirt on my back, I'm going to give it to you, and I will go shirtless, as crazy as it seems. And at that time, I was just going, and anybody, anything they needed, I felt like, okay, I can tackle it. And that's where the hiccup was, because I wasn't doing for me. I was trying to please everybody else. Okay. So now you are employed at where? A management company. Good. And you're there how long? I was there going on four, four or five years. Before your incident or in total? In total. In total. Yes. Okay. So walk me through what occurred. Um, what pretty much happened was through a system, mm -hmm. I was just processing checks mm -hmm. and in that process I was putting it through having it come around I'm gonna say because still I don't want to give too much out there because I call don't a thing a thing right I was committing a crime okay. big bold face you, you crime were, you were embezzling embezzlement okay. straight up embezzlement and was wiping and washing and funny enough you were good at it. Yes, and I looked at that end part as a cry for help because it was one transaction that I could have gotten rid of, but people don't realize when you're doing that, you have to be on it 24 hours, seven days a week. 
No matter if you go on vacation, I had to be on it to make sure nobody could catch what I was doing. You understand? So I was doing my embezzlement, and I had to be doing double the work. And when I mean double the work is, yes, I was completing the transaction, but in the same breath, just in case somebody else will come in while I'm on vacation, I'll tell them, no, I'll cover it while I'm away. Isn't that crazy? Because it's so much in my head, I don't want to get caught. And it was one transaction, one that got me caught out there. And it's so, and again, I say it, it's crazy because that one transaction, I saw it, Jay. So I looked at it, and I was like, fuck it, let me reconcile this account. Knowing it was going to go to the higher up. And just was like, fuck it. And I can say that now because of the process of it. Because prior to that, I could never even say that. But I knew what I did. In total, how much money did you embezzle? So, from what they're saying, is over, over a hundred thousand. Guys, small money. Girl, I thought you embezzled like a million. I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. I'm yo. I'm yo. I am not condoning, <laughs> but I'm just joking. No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> no. Do not condone. Please, there's a disclaimer. Do not follow what I did. But okay? seriously, as much as you were getting cash, living a life, because obviously you have to have been doing that because you got extra funds now mm-hmm. so you could play around with it. You didn't think you was going to get caught? At that time, no. You thought that, you were invincible. Not even invincible. You thought I you were just so good at it because you were cleaning up. But but that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's, that is a form of in. But remember what I was saying. I was doing double work. Isn't that a lot for your mental health? Yes. Like you're already doing a nine to five, working with people's shit. And and now you you working, then you got to come back around and you're working. That's why I said it was a 24 hour, seven day a week. But you saw the benefit in doing this extra job because it outweighed the nine to five. Right. But in the same breath, the how much time could that take? This was in a process of like nine months. Wow. I've known people have I've met people, I should say, that was doing it for years. And I don't know how they were able to do it and for years. There's no for me, I'm gonna keep it on the eye. There's no possible way I could have done it for years. Wow. Why? Because it becomes a toll. Could you imagine you're you're trying to sleep, you're trying to go to bed at night. And in your head, like, oh, my God, when I get into work in the morning, I got to make sure this is done, this is done, this is done, that is done before this person comes in. So instead of coming in at 9, I got to be in at 8.30 just to make sure that everything in the system is correct. You get what I'm saying? Wow. So when I say it's a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week process mentally, it is. Yeah, because you were living a lie. Yeah, pretty much. And, 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 and I'm so grateful that you trust me enough to come on the podcast and talk about your story as transparently and honestly as possible. Um, And this is just a version of someone living a double life. Mm -hmm. There are men who are married who are doing... Men who are married that have husbands who are married to wives and have an extra... Listen, girl, that's a whole other topic, yo. But there are men who are married that are living double and triple lives and having to clean up. And they think they're invincible because as long as they come home and pay the bills and she doesn't know, everything is good. Okay. When you got caught, let's talk about that. 
when I got caught, as I said earlier, it was one reconciliation that I could have had disappear. But what year was this? This was 2008. Okay. And from there, I said to myself, okay, you know what? Maybe I can, I'm going to take it away. And to this day, I still think about it. I left it there. I saw it, Jay. And I was like, whatever. But isn't that what we always do, though? We always think about if I had done this, if I had done this differently, in hindsight, right? Like, we beat ourselves up. It wasn't about if I had done this or beat myself up. No. But you you said still to this day, I think about that. I think about it because that is when my life changed. Right. And if you had done things differently, your life would not have changed the way it did. It would have. But it would have been even 20 times as worse. Because okay. it would have continued. So it's not to say that I'm saying if I didn't do it, would I been a different person? Yes. But how better would I've been? You know what I mean? When I look at that, when I look at that one particular thing, I look at it, it was me as a cry for help. Like I was over it. I wanted it to be done. So I'm going to leave this here. Come and get me. I'm over it. I'm okay. not doing this no We're more. We're going to be specific because the case is done. This is fine. So we could be a little bit because our, our, our listeners are like, our listeners are like, uh, they talking in subliminals. I don't really get what's going on. Okay. The last goddamn check <laughs> was for $50. $50 check. Yes. That little $50 a, dollar a $50, check. $50. What was the largest check you ever wrote out? That was, God, I got to try to remember. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. Maybe about fifteen. Fifteen thousand? Yeah. Fifteen thousand you you I'm, wrote I'm, well, let's be we're being real real, no, I'm real being right real, now. I'm trying I'm gonna say I'm Okay, gonna no, keep I'm with just that. I'm just showing you the big <laughs> this part yes, right here. To show you. Oh, she got away with a fifteen thousand dollar check making sure everything was cleared. Right. And it was that fifty dollar check. Yeah, and that's why it stayed in my head to this day. Okay. So that fifty dollar check, written Ch- for whatever reason. Changed everything. Who found it? The C, the CFO. The CFO found it and now is doing an internal audit because mm-hmm. something doesn't something seem doesn't right. sit right. So when they did that, everything started to show up. Well, what they say that they found showed up. Did it, everything in its entirety show up? Oh shit! But <laughs> what they found, and I'm gonna leave it as that, showed up. Yeah, drop a bomb. So when that came about, <laughs> yo. yo, this bitch. <laughs> oh god. She's like they 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 said it was a hundred thousand, but really it was like uh, five mil. But we. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm putting a disclaimer. I do not know what Jamie's talking about. I know not one thing she's go talking about. Go home, okay. yo. I have no Listen, clue what crime, she's talking crime about. Crime does not pay. No, it does not. Okay. So please let me make a disclaimer. Do not follow in my footsteps, okay? Jamie, do not follow in my footsteps. You know why? Because we can laugh about yes. these things. Because in the moment, you you weren't laughing. Listen. And you said, somebody said to you, and they always say, a couple of years from now, we go laugh about this. We laughing about this shit today because it was right. a fifty fucking dollar check. One fifty dollar check and two, it got me to where I am now. All right, so I want us to go through this process because, as much as I'm making light of this, because we got to uh, life is really short and some we fuck up. 
like I fucked up like I fucked up real bad recently where I loved someone I should not have loved and let that take control of my psyche and then led to a whole chain effect of some fucked up shit right do I wish I could go back and change that yeah but am I a homewrecker the fuck I'm not are you a thief they say once a thief always a thief once a cheater always a cheater do you believe that no so if someone calls you right now a thief what would you say okay because that's not who I am that's not who I see myself as I tell people all the time people have a right to say whatever they want in this country well in this U.S. of A they mm-hmm. have the first amendment freedom of speech they can call me everything in the book. They could call me a grand larcenist. They could call me a thief. Oh, she's an embezzler. She did this. She did that. Because trust me, I've heard it all. And you a hoe, so what? Yes. <laughs> and wipe my mouth and keep it moving. No, but, not you, but they. They right. def- the But fuck. you know, honestly, I'm, I could say right now in my <laughs> truth... It's okay. You can call me whatever you want because that does not make me who I am. And you ain't answering to that. No. It's not what you call me is what I answer to. It was up to recently someone had the audacity to call me a grand larcenist. Really? Yeah. Tell me about that experience. They didn't say it in my face, uh-huh. but they put it out there. and To shame the, you. Try to shame me, but they try to come indirect. And right. I had to catch myself because at that time I was going through some things. And you wanted to react? And I wanted to react. The old me wanted to come out. And she's not that far behind, so don't test her, okay? The old me (laughs) wanted to come out, and I had to say to myself, Alicia, come back. Not Ali, Alicia. We're going to talk about that because that in itself is a coping mechanism that has taken you a couple years to manage Mm -hmm. and master. We're going to get to that too. Ali, your CFO found out that you were embezzling money. Mm -hmm in the company that you worked for, Mm -hmm. they trusted you. Yes. Uh, You've been working there for years. Yes. To them, you were an exemplar employee. Mm -hmm. And now you have broken the trust of the people who employed you and who you see on a daily basis, who you break bread with, who you have lunch with. You know, um, that must have been hurtful for them. Definitely. How did it make you feel? I was numb. And when I say I was numb, or should I say I became numb? Because when that took place, I had, I was not able to speak to anybody there at my former employment. So I could not get be in contact with anyone, nobody. Did they have you arrested right then and there? They had me arrested the following week. The following week. I was week. arrested. I turned myself in. So were you working there? Were you showing up to work as normal? I was showing up to work, and then when everything came out, they told me to go on home, pack my stuff, leave, which I did. And by the following week, I had police at my door. At your house? At my house. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I contacted the police. They told me what was going on. I said, not a problem. And I turned myself in. So when they showed up at your door, you went home? I was not home. Okay. Who, but they who, left the card. Who answered the door? No one was home. They okay. left the card, and I. it was a detective. I can't even remember his name. Oh, my God. This is 2009. Okay. And he left the card in the door, 
And when I got back home, I saw the car, detective such and such, and my heart dropped. Walk me through that. So you get home, you see the card. see the card in my gate. I'm like, F-U-C-K, fuck. Like, it's about to go down. And What was the first thing you did? Called my mom, because she was at work. Mm -hmm. Called her, told her what was going on. Did she know that you were let go, basically? She knew I got laid off. She did? Laid off. Laid off. I told her I was laid off. Got it. And when I finally had to break the news to her, she went helter-skelter. Right. As a Caribbean mother, Caribbean woman... This was not what was in the cards. And the first thing she said was, I did not raise you like this. So you broke her heart. Pretty much. Broke her heart. And it was deep. It was a cut. And she took me to the precinct. Went right in the city. Your mother took you to the precinct. She went with me to the precinct. And I turned myself in right then and there. Wow. And upon turning myself in, met with the detective, sat and spoke to him. They processed me. I had to wait to go into court. I want to just stop you for a minute. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Your mother took you into the precinct. Yes, she, took, she came with me. Do you know there are other mothers that will send you on a flight back home to Barbados? Mm-hmm. I know mothers of sons that hit them, send them to a different state, had them change their names, and then they will say, but he was a good boy. I'm just trying to protect my child. Why do you think your mother walked you into that precinct? And I'm going to tell you this. She walked me into that precinct because she said, when the day is done, it's me and you. Nobody else. It's me and you. And when I mean me and you, I mean me and my mom. And that's what she said to me. She said, you did what you did. Now you got to face the music. Yo! It takes a lot of strength for you to even offer up your child, knowing your child did something wrong, but the consequences of that is they are probably going to lose their freedom. And you're saying, I raised you better, I love you, but you got to take care of what you got to take care of. I'll be there on the other side. You ain't losing me. But there's more to it. I want to know. So I processed... Because you have to realize, this 2019, I marked 2019 as an anniversary, as crazy as it can be. What year anniversary is that? This marks 10 years in total of, I close it as a close of a chapter in my life. And why I say that is because from 2009 until 2016, I was going through the hills and valleys of my life. 2019, I came full circle. And when I mean by full circle, I'm in a good place. But to know how I got to that good place, there's more to it. Because it took 10 years for me to get where I am now. 10 years. I did my crime in 09. I was arrested, went to court, got bailed out, and I spent from 2009 until 2012 out on bail. And I continuously, every month, 
from 2009 until February of 2012, going to court every month. Wow. Every month, with the exception of if it fell around the holidays, they'll, in December, they'll skip it to maybe January. But every month, faithfully, have to hop on that J train once a month. Anxiety out of a thousand. But even prior to that, I'm going to double back even more. Came out on bail and didn't want to let too many people know what was going on with me. Right. Certain people knew what had happened, what transpired, and so forth. But as a Caribbean community, mm-hmm. <laughs> people are nosy. Mm-hmm. People are going to dig, and they're going to look. And the people that I thought that would have had my back... Oh, it's always those ...were people. the ones that turned on me. And when I mean they turned on me, it was at a point that it took me to a brink where... I try to harm myself. What did you try to do? I try to take my own life. Yes. Because of the pressure? The pressure, the just everything just falling down. I want you to identify what is everything. I mean, the talk, the charges, you name it. Everything. Everything. And it's only through God's grace. I have a guardian angel out there that when I did try to attempt, someone intervened. And crazy enough how my house is set up, there's a slam lock, slam gate door before you could get into my door. And it's always locked. And crazy enough, I kid you not, I had the pills, I had them counted out, everything. Called one of my dear close brothers as I look at him as, and I was like, yo, take care of mommy for me, okay? Make sure she's good. Make sure my grandfather is good. All right? And he was like, boss, what are you talking about? What do you mean? What are you doing? And I'm like, yo, just make sure everybody's good for me. All right? And I love you guys. And... <clears throat> Gee, can you give Allie a tissue, please? I have, I have, I have, I have. And I knew, I didn't know then, but I know now, that my story wasn't going to end there. That same, my same bro. (laughs) Shout out to Sean. (laughs) Um, He came in, knocked that stuff out my hand and said, what are you doing? Boss, what you doing? Because that's how he saw it. Everybody that knows Sean know how he is. He might kill me because this is something that me and him don't even touch talk about this. And he said, boss, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What you took? What you took? And I don't even, to this day, I don't even know how that door was open. To this day, I don't know how that door was open. Cannot tell you. Because I didn't switch the lock. So if that isn't my God working for me and saying, your story is not over yet. Sit tight and enjoy this ride. And when I mean enjoy it, I mean you're going to go through some shit. So 2012. 2012, I just... You now have to go back into court again. Yes. You've been going to court from 2009 to 2012. Yes. Checking in. Checking in. What changed? Just had enough. I had enough. I was like, I am over this. 
called it a day. Went back in, told them I'm done. But they weren't done with me. What were the charges they were bringing against you? So I have grand larceny in the second. Um, My top charge is grand larceny in the second degree. Okay. That is my top charge. And that's when you hear top charge, you have sub charges Mm -hmm. underneath. But Mm -hmm. my main charge was grand larceny second degree, which is a C felony. I was a first time offender, Mm -hmm. meaning I had no priors, no nothing. Mm -hmm. So my my sentence could have varied. From probation to the maximum time, which is 5 to 15. Mm -hmm. Um, They kept me. I went in February. I wasn't sentenced until February. I wasn't sentenced until because I went upstate September 12th. I would never forget that date, 2012. So they remanded you. They I remanded myself. Really? Yes. I went back in. I was like... I can't, and the reason why I couldn't do it no more, can you imagine from 2009 to 2012, going to court every month, and then having to still deal with the outside world? Because it's not easy. Not, and then at that time, I had a therapist because of me trying to harm myself, but in the same breath, still trying to balance everything, still working, I was working, and still having to be in this social setting of the Caribbean community of Brooklyn, New York. Oh, we know how dangerous <laughs> that could be. Listen, listen. In my head. So you remanded yourself. You said, I surrender. Let's get this show on the road. They sentenced you when? September, no, September 12th, I went upstate. I got sentenced the week prior to that. So it literally took a week for them to get me upstate to Bedford. But from February to September, where were you? Rikers Island. Wow. Yes. How was that experience? An experience. What you see on TV is not what is It's not Orange is the New Black? You know what's so crazy? I never watched that. Could not. Nope. Mm Mm-mm. You can't, right? I don't see... I lived it. Right. You know, is is it... From what I read and heard, is some parts of it true, some parts of it not true? Yes and no. Rikers Island. Describe that for me in, like, <gasps> two lines. Like, what what was that? As a woman, a first-time offender, never been arrested, and now you're shipped off to Rikers Island while you await sentencing. hmm That was a never-take-the-little-things-for-granted. Wow. Were you in fights? No. I'm a good girl. I don't fight. Good. And then you then you were Amazonian, so they're looking at it like, I don't want to even, like, come <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm trying to fuck with her. She's going to beat my ass. And you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Jay. Did you, did you have somebody from the outside call up the girls on the inside, like, yo, look out for Allie when she Actually, get there? Actually, no. You know what's so crazy in Rikers? I met some phenomenal women. Yo, dope. I met some phenomenal women, offenders, as they like to call us in there. People forget there are people in Rikers Island that are just there because they can't even pay bail for a crime that they may not have even committed. Yes. And I think there's such a stigma that that is attached to people that have been incarcerated. And we could talk about this because there are a lot of things I want to discuss. Let me just pull up some real quick statistics right now since you're here. Um, The Sentencing Project released a fact sheet on incarcerated women and girls, and it states that in 2017, the imprisonment rate for African-American women 
92 per 100,000, was nearly twice the rate of imprisonment for white women, 49 per 100,000. Hispanic women were imprisoned at 1.3 times the rate of white women, 66 versus 49 per 100,000. Mm -hmm. Do you think, when you were sentenced, what was your sentencing? My sentence was 5 to 15. 5 to 15 years for first-time offender embezzlement. Yes. Grand larceny, too. Yes. And the reason why I Do got you think that, that was a fair sentencing? No. Did your attorney... Did you have an attorney or, or, or an aide? I had first a paid attorney, which did come to find out there were certain things he didn't do. He did not work with the DA that I was thinking he was doing. And it's not until when I finally got to meet the DA, after I got rid of that attorney, the DA was already fed up. He said, you did not want to work with us. And I was like, that's a lie. So the attorney I was paying for, my mom was paying for, was not working in my uh, best interest. So when we have these paid attorneys that are taking our money, sometimes they're not working our best interest, whether it's criminal or immigration. Because I've known Speak of people that have paid immigration lawyers. This is why you have to be an advocate and always follow up on your shit. Right. So you have these lawyers. You're paying. They got paying. their money. They, they can just relax money. and do whatever when they and feel like they it. they are not working in your best interest. Got it. So long story short, they wanted to know who else was involved. Because, again, I am a black educated woman. You couldn't have done this by yourself. Hell You're not no. that smart. How dare you? How, how did you just hoodwink us like Listen, that? Listen, how dare nah. you? How dare you she, do this? She's, she's part of a whole network. Yes. <sighs> Tell us who you were with and we'll give you a lighter sentence. And I was like, there's nobody else. Wow. There's just me. Wow. And so the, they wanted to stick it to you because you were just too smart for the game, right? My, something my mom always say. <laughs> my mom, if she ever listened to this podcast, she will be. She is going to hit me upside my head. You tell them that. Why you tell them that? She said, maybe if I didn't put you through private school. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you know, maybe it's too smart for you. Oh, good. good. Yes. <laughs> She said, maybe if me and your father didn't put you through private school, you wouldn't have done these things, you know? Maybe if I sent you to one of these other schools, you wouldn't have been too smart yeah, to but, do these but things. But how many private school people working on Wall Street right now doing this shit to many millions of fucking Listen, people? and they get a 6-5 split. And a 6-5 split means six months, you do six months on Rikers, and then you have... Um, five years probation. They don't even do that shit. They just get money, so they get... they. It's called white privilege. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's call a thing a thing. Right. It is what it is. Um, in September 2013, the incarceration rate of the United States of America was the highest in the world at 716 per 100,000 of the national population. While the United States represents about 4.4% of the world's population, it houses about 22% of the world's prisoners according to the World Prison Population List by Roy Walmsley. In my head. So, Allie. Yes. September, you leave Rikers and head where? To Bedford Correctional Facility. 
with a sentence of five to 10 years? 15. Five to 15 years. So you're not even sure if you're going to be spending five or 15. Yes. So when I got to Bedford, there's a whole process. And when I tell you it is traumatizing as it seems, it is. It's, it really makes you realize, like, I am complete, I have no control of myself or anything I do anymore. I'm no longer owner of myself. Period. Mm-hmm. And I got there, and they do this time computation. So a time computation pretty much is if you spent any time in your county jail, whether it's Rikers or Suffolk or wherever it is, they add that in, and it shows you where you land on when you're supposed to meet your first board, which is your parole board, um, your conditional release date, um, an initial. There's so many things. And my first date on that time computation sheet was March 21st, 2016. And this is September 2012. So I'm looking like that's four years from now. I meet with the counselor there in Bedford, and he's like, where's your sheet? And he takes it, and he crosses a line through the March 21st, 2016. And I asked him, I'm like, well, why did you put a line to that? He was like, you're not going to get that. And I'm like, wow. I'm not going to get it. He's like, no, you're not getting it. So don't even look at that. Look at my next date on there was 20, um, January 2018. Wow. And he said, look for this. And I was like, well... Why are you telling me I'm not going to make that date of 2016? He's like, well, pretty much because of your sentence and your crime, no one really gets that, one. And then, two, you have everything. And I was like, what do you mean I have everything? So when you get there to Bedford, you are given a, a identification number, which mm-hmm. is a DIN number, and then you have to turn in paperwork to show proof, whether you were employed, whether you graduated high school, college, whatever the case so may be. So you were an anomaly. Right. I was different. Because you had a, a degree. I had an education. Mm-hmm. I have a degree. So they're not... Prison is not set up for a person that comes in with a degree. Mm-hmm. It is set up for individuals, as they put it, that have no career, that's never worked a day in their life, that has never done anything but just crimes. Like, you know, you are the worst bottom of the pit. Take me back to the first night you slept in that cot. It's not a cot. What is it? It is a like a twin metal bed with this green mattress um, if And in Bedford, God forbid, if it's a brand-new mattress, it could have been there for God knows how long. You get two sheets. You get a pillow, pillowcase. The sheets are off-white because they're never white. <laughs> um, and you pretty much don't have anything because you're in the transition of leaving from your county, for me, which was Rikers, to Bedford. So whatever money I had in Rikers was in the process, and they're so behind time. It's not that they can hit a button and it transfers, like how we could cash app and wire transfer and stuff like that. No. Rikers cuts a check, and then it goes up on the next bus that's coming up to Bedford with the other offenders, and then Bedford gets it, and whoever is in um, accounting there takes their time in processing your money. 
How many nights did you cry? God, I can't even. I too many. Or were there times when you looked back and said, I fucked that fifty dollar check? <laughs> <laughs> you know, more than fuck the fifty dollar check, but just like Alicia, what did you put your what did you get yourself into? You know, and that wasn't the worst of it. What was the worst? The worst of it, of it was when I called home to my mother mm-hmm. and my mother is telling me what people have to say outside here. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back. I know that um something mm-hmm. major happened while you were locked away. Yes. That changed your life. Yes. Talk about it. So by now I've left Bedford. I'm in Albion Correctional Facility, which is about a good eight hours from New York City. We're closer to Toronto than anything else, Buffalo, Rochester, in that area. Right. So I'm up there, which I pretty much, I can say, it was good. I look at my incarceration as a blessing in disguise, as crazy as it seems, because it brought me back to where I am now. I had my degree in human services, did not want to use it, and I, like, it went full circle, like, bam, you're going back into it. So... I was up there now. This is 2013. By then, my grandfather was ill. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is a man, Claudius Elton Amy, my mm-hmm. mom's dad, who was my ride or die. Growing up as a kid, when my parents are working, he would pick me up from school. We'll, he lived here in Brooklyn himself. He would take me to all these different places. First time drinking coffee and everything. He's <laughs> like, you know, and he's telling me, you know, when I had like my little fights in school and stuff like that. And he'll tell me, Amy's don't walk away from a fight. And I'd be like, but granddad, I'm an I feel no, you're an Amy first and I feel second. <laughs> and grandpa was with the shit. Yeah, he was with it. <laughs> You know, and telling people her name is not Alicia. Where you see an S in her name, her name is Alicia. So Alicia. That, that was that was your 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 support system. Yes, and he got sick. He was sick prior to that. He was a prostate cancer survivor. All of these things, and he just took a turn for the worse when I got incarcerated. And he always would say, "Don't worry about it. You're gonna come home soon. Don't worry. You're gonna come home soon." And finally, my mom had to put him in a nursing home because he couldn't be by himself anymore in his house. Um, And it also made me see how family is. So I had family that went to my grandfather in the nursing home thinking that my grandfather didn't know where I was to tell him his grandchild is locked up. You know, and and again, this is family. I mean, we share the same blood. So they're they're not doing it out of giving information. They're actually doing it out of being spiteful. Just spiteful. Knowing that he's in Knowing a position he's that in the position he's in. Right. And just saying, well, you know, your granddaughter Alicia's in. She lock up. You know. And he's like, okay. And then when my mom comes, oh, you know, such and such, come here and tell me this, but I already know. Screwed up. Right. You know, and then that's impacting my mom. Right. Because now my mom is on her own. So your situation impacted your family in a really, really deep level. So much. I just want to highlight that because oftentimes people forget that when someone is incarcerated, they think it's just the person incarcerated who's affected the it's entire your, family network yes, and community. It's communities. your immediate family, which is my mom, my grandfather, 
you know, and, you know, calling home and my mom is telling me this person had this to say, this person had that to say. I don't understand why these people are talking these things. They were their family or they were your friends and you used to go out with them and why are they doing this and stuff like that. Like, she's angry and she had every right to be. She's like, look, you taking these people all over the place and look how they treating you now. You know? Yes, because while you're locked away, she's wearing your shame for you. Right. And she also would turn around and say, don't worry, you're coming home. Grandpa said that to you? Yeah. And what happened? And crazy enough, unfortunately, my grandfather passed when I was incarcerated. I called home one evening, and my mom answered, and I could just tell by her voice something wasn't right. And... I said, Mom, what's wrong? And she didn't know how to tell me because she knew that's my ride or die. And she was like, she just blurted it out. She's like, your grandfather passed this evening. And it hit. And I was like, what do you say? She said, your grandfather passed this evening. And I was like, Mom, I got to call you back. And I hung up. And I walked away from the phones. And I went in my cube because that's what I had, a cube. (laughs) And I didn't grieve. And when I talk about grieving, I mean grieving as a whole. At that point in time, I didn't grieve. I didn't grieve for my grandfather. I didn't grieve for the crime I committed. None of that. Came back, called her, and I told her, I'm not coming home. And you have a choice. You have that. They give you that to be able to come home for an immediate family member. And I chose not to come home because one I refused to allow my mother to see me in shackles I made that choice when I went upstate to Albion Correctional Facility don't you ever come up here as long as that phone is on that's how we'll be in contact with each other so four and a half years you saw no one I saw no one wow nobody Allie (laughs) wow and it brought everything when I say full circle my grandfather's passing I had and people have to realize like yes it's a woman's facility yes it's their drama and so forth yeah but for me I had a focus that March 21st 2016 was my focus to get home oh we know when you focus you can get shit done Allie. okay <laughs> I know I have an old CD we, don't worry we, we've seen this shit in action that's the reason why you went there the first goddamn place <laughs> so you know I, I was like okay but I had to grieve so let's 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 take a turn right now um we've talked about a mistake that you made that changed the trajectory of your life. And many people would think that, oh, because she got arrested, she's probably going to do this shit again because once a thief, always a thief. Yes. Um, I just want to let you know, uh, according to... Research has consistently shown that time spent in prison does not successfully rehabilitate most inmates and that the majority of criminals return to a life of crime almost immediately. You are beyond the anomaly. And the reason why I'm beyond this anomaly they're talking about is the criminal justice system is jacked up. When I came home, I had a support system. I had a house 
that I could have come home to. I had a mother that ride and died with me through this. Other individuals don't have that. So I had a little extra oomph than to somebody else. Did I see people leave and come back before they spent, they were released in the spring and they were back by the fall. Did I see that? Was I upset by that? Like, yeah, how the hell you're able to get out, be free and come back and spend the, come back and spend another fall and you were out for the spring. And it's not until I came home which I did come home March 21st, 2016. So let's just make that clear. I came home on the date they told me I was not coming home on. And understanding the dynamics, because parole and these parole officers who are social workers, there's nothing really that they can do. They tell you inside, oh, you're going to get emergency food stamps when you come out. That's a lie. If you don't have family support, you come out with $40, and that's it. What is $40 out here going to do for you? According to Wikipedia, in the United States, the school-to-prison pipeline, also known as the school-to-prison link or the schoolhouse-jailhouse track, is a disproportionate tendency of minors and young adults from disadvantaged backgrounds to become incarcerated because of increasingly harsh school and municipal policies. The U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics report that two-thirds of released prisoners are rearrested for at least one serious new crime and more than half are reincarcerated within three years of release. Ali, I want to congratulate you because upon your release, you made a total 180. And not that you had to because you as a multidimensional person, that mistake was just a part of your story. It was not who you are and it is not who you are. Because beyond all that, Ali is a beautiful person. Ali is a giving person. Ali is a kind person. Ali is an educated young woman. Ali is doing things in her community. Ali just had a fuck up. We all have fuck-ups. We all do shit that we wish other people would never find out about. We all do things behind closed doors that if the world were to know, they would judge us from now till that kingdom cometh. But you came out of prison and you started an initiative. First of all, you came out of prison and you got a job (laughs) working for New York City. I was working for a nonprofit first. Girl. And that was six weeks after I came out. Six weeks out of jail. You're working again because yes. you're like, I'm not with the shits. I, I'm not who they say I am anyway. Right. I know who I am. I got a degree. And the thing I learned I, from this shit. I want to help about others. It is I own my truth. Like, so when you talk about own your truth, I own my truth. When I came out, I wasn't hiding like, oh, my God, I don't want no one to know I was incarcerated. I would never forget I went to a... You went to a FET. <laughs> I went to a FET, and this person comes up to me. Oh, my God, Ali. I ain't seen you so long, girl. Where you were? Hear me. In prison. They didn't tell you. And they were like... <gasps> because they knew that you were in prison. Right. They were just trying, trying to see to, what you were going to say. They were trying to see what I was going to say. And I looked at that, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not hiding it. I had people saying when they found... They were looking me up to find out when I came home and asking people, well, how she look? Like, what was I supposed to look like? Like, And this is my own Caribbean community. 
this is what they wanted to hold on to. They wanted to hold on to say, oh, she was incarcerated. To this day, people see me and ask me, and they would be like, oh, you know she was incarcerated. You know she went to jail. Yo, fuck those people. All the time. Because those same people, ain't they ain't working for the New York City. Department of Health. Department <laughs> of Health. They can't even get a, a New York City job. <laughs> you understand? And they ain't never been arrested, right? Like, oh, my God. Like, Ali, I applaud you. I'm proud of you. Thank I want you. you to talk real briefly on how this experience has changed your life, something that could have broken you. You know, uh, you know, a conscious decision you made to embezzle money, right? Mm-hmm. That was a conscious decision. We make conscious decisions. We make conscious decisions to sleep with married men. We make conscious decisions to sleep with married women. We make conscious decisions yes. to go do crack and cocaine and mm-hmm. opioids. And we make conscious decisions to go sleep with prostitutes. And these are all conscious decisions. And when you get caught, I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, my God, the devil made me do it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> We make conscious decisions. You know what you're doing. Of course you do. Yeah. Out of out of this situation, birth many great things for you. Yes. And I want you to talk about let's talk about real quickly. So let's talk about was a thought that I had while I was incarcerated. Cause I realized that they were not just women, but women of so many different aspects. And I actually received my certification to be a sexual health educator while incarcerated, because it was given by the New York State Department of Health. So I voluntarily took this program where, being that I wasn't eligible for a lot of programs because of my degree and everything, I voluntarily took this program and received my certification in sexual health, and giving back this information to women that were coming in for their first week of orientation, talking about sexual health, whether you had male, female, both partners and so forth, how you could be more self-aware and to get tested while you're incarcerated and also when you got home. And I realized that I even thought about being home and I'm like, wait a minute, we don't have these conversations within our community. We have women still thinking chlamydia goes away on its own. So I wanted to come up with something and say, you know what, let's talk about these things. And I came home, and it was still there pressing on me, saying, you have to come up with this. And last year, September, I was working for my nonprofit, Diaspora Community Services. Shout out to Diaspora. I came up with this idea. I've partnered with so many other organizations like AIDS Health Foundation. Shout out to AIDS Health Foundation, who hosts Let's Talk About For Me every year. I said to myself you know what, I want to do this. And I was talking to my friend, Daniela, who works for AHF AIDS Health. And I said, Daniela, you know, I want to do a forum for women, my Caribbean and my Latino women, and talk about sex and stuff. And she's like, okay, use this space. And Let's Talk About came about like that. And I had my first set of panelists. We talked about mental health. I'm very pro-therapy. I go to therapy once a week, every week. Shout out to that. Yes. Um, Sexual health, why we're not having these conversations with our partners, whether it's husband, wife, significant other, hookup, whatever the case may be. And I brought this out here. And I had my first one in October last year. I had my second one this past May. And I'll be having another one this October again. Woo! Yes. And Jay will be on that panel, too. Oh, (laughs) shit. Jay didn't know that. Now you know. So I 
I wanted to bring this about for every woman to come out and have a safe space to talk about these things and not be afraid. Allie, for the people that want to get in contact with you, that want to be a part of your movement, that want you to come in and speak to youth, that want you to come in and speak to young women, that want you to visit prisons to talk to women there, how can they get in contact with you? You can get in contact with me. I have my Instagram page, Let's Talk About 1818, and also my email, which is Let's Talk E, letter E, about at gmail.com. All this information will be in the summary of today's podcast. This is just part of your story. And I wanted to highlight to people that a mistake does not define you. And sometimes that mistake is the turning point for your life to change in an upward trajectory. What the enemy thought would be for your downfall, God's going to turn it around and use it for your good if and only if you want to be a better person. You could either stay at rock bottom or you could climb back up. All right? Allie, is there anyone you want to send love to? Anyone you want to shout out? Shout out to my mom, my mom, my mom, my mommy. Dad. Mommy, we love you. <laughs> she is my <laughs> rock. She is my truth. She is my life. I breathe because of her. I am here because of her. Not just because she birthed me, but because through it all, my mother could have said, you know what, you're on your own. And she stuck with me through it. She is my motivator. She's at everything I do. She does not miss a beat. So who knows me always sees my mom right next to me. She's and she's I love her. She's so cool. <laughs> Anybody else? Um, shout out to my boys, Ro, Rondon, Charles, Sean. You guys are my rocks as well. You give it to me. No filter. To everyone else, to my team, you know who you are. To D, thank you. You always there. You know everybody. Thank you, 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 thank you. Yo, so this has been episode 14. I am more than my mistake. I hope you guys really enjoyed this. Y'all like to complain how the podcast too short. Well, all I get some podcasts and all I prep them today. I hope, I hope, I hope it has been edifying to you because a lot of times people are going through things and you don't even know their stories and how they had to overcome and the battles they had to fight to get where they're at. Never jealous nobody. You don't know how they get what they get, how they maintain what they have. You don't know what the price they had to pay for the position they're at right now. In all things rejoice. So what's playing in my head? Well, in celebration of Allie and her triumph and the things she's doing in our community, I got to play my dude. Three-time award-winning Soka Monarch voice. Far from finished because Allie is far from finished. She got so much more things to do. And I'm looking forward to her growth and to her purpose and to her passion of helping people. I support you. You have my ultimate, ultimate, wholehearted love and support, sis. Thank you for being you. Thank you for owning your truth. Yo, Jaybirds, I love you. This has been episode number 14. Episode number 14, bitch! <laughs> 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 <laughs>